Luke chapter 2. This is, we did joy, we did hope, and now we're doing the peace of Christmas. And so suddenly, in verse 13, you know the story well. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, while those shepherds were watching their sheep, praising God and saying, glory, let's all say it together, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So the Bible tells us that God told the angels that a Savior was born in the city of David. Now you and I don't need to really go through this in great detail. The Savior who was born was Jesus the Christ the Messiah who had been promised for thousands of years, the one that the Israelite people were looking forward to, where here the Messiah would come, destroy all of their enemies, set up a government of peace, and rule forever. That's what they were expecting. So when the shepherds hear the good news, suddenly... Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will to men. They went to Bethlehem, they saw baby Jesus, and then they went out throughout all the streets and talking to all their friends and neighbors and their fellow shepherds, and they just shared the good news, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. That's why on a Christmas Sunday morning, I like to really sing. Um, I may be dramatic when I lead a song like Joy to the World, but, but think about it. I'm, what I want you to do is think about that. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. But what did they say again? On earth, peace, goodwill toward men. In heaven, it's glory to God on earth, it's peace. And I say, wow. Now, I know a lot of people are looking at this and saying, and we do it too, and we should rightfully look at this to see the end result of what the angels meant when they said, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill to men. The end result was that God would establish his kingdom here on this earth. But the problem is, we have looked at this now for thousands of years, 2,000 years, and we've asked ourselves the question, where is that world peace that God is talking about here? Doesn't the Bible say that we're going to, we're going to turn our weapons of war into plowshares? Doesn't the Bible say that God is going to establish a world, a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom, and a physical kingdom where there'll be no more sin, there'll be no more sorrow, there'll be no more pain and suffering, and we'll be prosperous? Doesn't the Bible say that? Well, the Bible does say that. But for 2,000 years, we've been asking the question, where is that peace that has been promised to us? You know, when we look at the statistics worldwide, we know that there are very few years that there was peace in the world. In fact, they did a study on this and found that only 8% of the time since the beginning of recorded history has the world been entirely at peace. In over 3,000 years, 
uh, of recording this, only 286 have been warless and 8,000 treaties have been broken in this time. Now you think about that. I remember, I remember the World War II had just finished, the Korean War was over, Vietnam War was in full swing, and I remember a short period of time after college where there wasn't any single war on the face of the earth. But how brief that was. And then, of course, it all came coming back. All came coming back until today you have conflicts around the globe. And yet the Bible says, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Think about that. Now, I want you to take your hymn book real quick to 123. And I want you to look at this Christmas carol. You know, there's almost a story for every single Christmas carol there is out there. But I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day was written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Now, if you went to school, then you know that you had to read the poetry of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. We all did, as part of American literature. And so, Henry, he, uh, uh, um, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was a believer. He was a Christian. And, uh, but this song doesn't really open up with uh, a good note, does it? Terry, why don't you come and play it real quick for us. We'll sing the first stanza here, just so you understand uh, how this song goes. We'll sing the first, um, uh, we'll sing the, we'll sing the first and the third stanza, okay? I heard the bells on Christmas Day, everybody together. Wadsworth Longfellow wrote that song in 1863. 1863, we were in the middle of the Civil War. In 1863, 40,000 men had been either killed or wounded or missing in the Battle of Gettysburg. And the long, long uh, Battle of Vicksburg was, was uh, bringing the casualties up to around 30,000 people. It was the worst war in our history. The casualties in the Civil War exceeded World War I, World War II, as far as our nation was concerned. And so I understand very completely Henry Wadsworth Longfellow writing a Christmas carol where he said, you know what, hate is strong. Hate is strong. There doesn't seem to be any peace on earth. Now we know there have been bright spots. We know there have been bright spots in all of this. All of us generally go back to World War I in 1914 when all was quiet on the Western Front on New Year's or on Christmas Eve. Between the English Channel and the Swiss Alps, there was no fighting. And um, 8,000 men 
had been wounded or killed in this five-month-year-old war. And on Christmas Eve, it just seemed like a miracle happened because the British soldiers raised Merry Christmas signs. The German soldiers responded to that. And when Christmas dawned, the soldiers left their weapons, left their trenches, and they greeted one another, shared gifts with one another. And uh, the commanders on both sides were trying to get the men to regroup and get back to their battle stations, but it didn't matter. They spent the day, Christmas Day, peacefully, miles along the front. In one spot, the British played soccer with the Germans, who won three to two. In some places, the spontaneous truce contained the next day, neither side uh, continued the next day, neither side willing to fire the first shot. Isn't that exciting? But you know that finally the war resumed. It didn't end there. It didn't end with that. The conflict returns. So glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Where is that world peace that we're talking about? Let me say that Israel, the nation of Israel, was the one who had the wonderful privilege of having the Messiah come. And the Bible tells us that Israel made the mistake. Oh, it was a huge mistake. A huge error on their part. Because when the Messiah came, they looked at world peace or peace with them and the rest of the world as the goal for the Messiah. The immediate goal for the Messiah. When, for instance, in Luke chapter 1, before Jesus is even born, Zacharias has a prophecy about the coming of John the Baptist, the Bible says, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Horn meaning some kind of a, a governmental protection for us, where we will have victory. God's going to save us from our enemies. God's going to save us from the hand of all who hate us. But they fail to link that with the verses that follow, where the Bible says that through the tender mercies of God, God is going to give to them the opportunity to have their sins forgiven. Verse 77, when the day spring from on high, which is Jesus Christ, when the day spring from on high has visited us to do what? Two things. Number one, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. They failed to link those two. And when Jesus came and when Jesus ministered and they got this uneasy feeling that this Messiah wasn't going to be victorious over their oppressors, the Roman, Roman Empire, they started to reject the Lord, which was a huge mistake. Now, having said that, if you're in Luke, I want you to flip over to Luke chapter 19 for a second. Luke chapter 19 for a second. And I'm going to follow. 
I'm going to follow those words that I read in Luke chapter 1 with these words in Luke chapter 19. Jesus is coming into the city of Jerusalem on what we know as the triumphal entry, the week of the Passover. Sunday, he comes into the city, and by the next Sunday, we will see the resurrection. And the Bible says that when he comes, the people are shouting and they're saying, Verse 38, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Pharisees were upset with that. Jesus addressed the Pharisees, and, when Je- and this is the important thing. When Jesus drew near to the city of Jerusalem, he began to cry. Yep, he did. He began to cry. In verse 41, it says, Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, and all of us would do well to remember this, because this message is not just for the Jewish people, but it's for all of Christendom. If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, things would be different. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. You did not know the time of your visitation. You did not know that I, as the Messiah, was coming, and not just to conquer the world and have every nation on the face of the earth to submit to me, but I came for a purpose that precedes my coming as the king. And you won't accept it. You want peace on earth, it's not going to come that way. You want the world to be at peace, but it will not be at peace that way. You see, because it's much deeper than all of that. Matthew chapter 24 even says, what does Matthew say about the second coming of Christ? Will everything be at peace? Will we all be at peace? No, you know, we're going to continue with this world, those conflicts in the world until Jesus comes back again. We shall see or we'll hear of rumors of war, wars and rumors of wars. Matthew chapter 24, right? Matthew 24, if you don't believe me, Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 through 7. Take it home, read it. What's it going to be like here in this world right before Jesus comes back? Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives with his disciples, and the disciples asked when the age of the end of the age is going to come, when time will be no more. And Jesus said, well, you'll hear in verse 6 of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. Nation's going to rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. It's not going to stop. So where is this peace that Jesus is talking about? He didn't make us wait 2,000 years to experience it. You see, it's much deeper than we think. I, I like to think of it this way. I hate hurricanes. They come across the ocean. They obliterate the land. And then they, after they've done all that damage, then they fizzle out. But have you ever thought about the ocean with all of the fish and all of the sea animals and stuff that live in the ocean? 
A hurricane can come across the ocean, but 25 feet down, under the waves, everything is calm. Everything is cool. Fish are doing okay. They're not worrying about a thing. And I only use that illustration because I think it's important for us to go a whole lot deeper with this whole issue of the peace that God is talking about here. Let me see if I can illustrate this with um, the uh, Secretary General of the United Nations back in 1965. Now, what did you think about this? Uthant was the Secretary General at that time, and while he was speaking in 1965 before 67 distinguished scholars and statesmen from 19 countries of the world, he asked these questions. What element is lacking so that with all our skill and all our knowledge, we still find ourselves in the dark valley of discord and enmity? What's lacking? Second question. What is it that inhibits us from going forward together to enjoy the fruits of human endeavor and to reap the harvest of human experience? Why can't we get it right? Number three. Why is it that for all of our professed ideals, our hopes and our skills, peace on earth is still a distant objective seen only dimly through the storms and turmoils of our present difficulties? Why is that the case? It's the case because the deeper issue is God has come God has come in, in human form so that he can free us from the sin that makes it impossible for us to be at peace. You know, sin makes it impossible for us to be at peace. Now, is it true the Prince of Peace is going to return to subdue all the world and rule in peace? Yes, absolutely. But here's the thing that I want to conclude with. It's very important. Peace starts in a manger, not on a throne. Peace starts in Bethlehem with God becoming man. God in the, in the person of Christ growing up. And God destined to go to the cross so that our sins can be forgiven. Now, I've shared this many times. I've always said if I had one minute to share the gospel, here's how I would share it. One minute. God has never done anything wrong. He's perfect. He's righteous in every respect. He created us, and we are sinners by nature. We don't sin. We don't, we're not sinners because we sin, but we sin because we're sinners. And we have a propensity to sin. And the wages of sin is death because God is righteous in every respect. And we are not righteous. Then we have to suffer the penalty of a righteous God who imposed the penalty of death on sin. There's no peace in that. And so what God did is 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and stood between God and man. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's dying for our sin. 
And while he's dying for our sin, God is pouring his righteous judgment out on Christ, onto Christ. He is paying the penalty for sin that you and I deserve so that we can be free from our sin. Sin that makes us think wrong, sin that makes us act wrong, and sin that's caused the cause of every war that we've ever seen fought on the face of the earth. Right? But that's what God has done for us. He didn't say, well, we'll wait and see if you're good enough. We'll wait and see if you can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. He didn't say, well, you know what, I'll give you some time and maybe you can work this all out and, and maybe you won't be so bad in your hearts. No, no. God, God gave to us a plan where Christ destined to go to the cross to save us from our sin. And if I, listen, I want to I apply this. It only takes a couple of minutes to apply this, but I want you to think about this. Remember when Jesus was talking to the, the lawyers on the week of his crucifixion? And you remember that this lawyer wanted to trick Jesus with a question. And he said, what is the most important commandment? We've got 600 of them. That's what he was thinking in his mind. We got six. Tell me what the most important of all those commandments is. And you remember what Jesus' response was as he summarizes all the commandments God has ever given. He says, number one, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now think about it. There's a priority there. When we talk about peace with God, it's not first our horizontal relationship with each other because we can't, we can't achieve that kind of peace unless there's been a change in the heart, unless our hearts are changed in our vertical relationship with God. Just remember that. There's a priority. So when Jesus came in a baby, he came as a man, man to man, human to human, to pay the penalty for my sins so that I could have a right relationship with God and be at peace. Listen, if you're right with God, you're at peace. Right? So let me apply it this way. The final passage of Scripture I want you to look at is in Luke chapter 14. Because I want you to take this home. This is the application. Because we talk about world peace. We can't wait for it to happen. But it's not going to happen. Not apart from the gospel that changes the hearts of man, it's not going to happen. But Jesus says something very interesting in Luke chapter 14. And I've tried to stay in Luke to give you all these passages of Scripture that deal with peace. But in Luke chapter 14, verse 31, Jesus says, What king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Now, if I'm a general and I notice that I'm going to be dealing with, I have 10,000 men and I have 20,000 men coming, uh, I, I need to figure out how I'm going to handle that, right? I'm going to have to figure out whether or not I can defeat the enemy. I have to figure all of that out. And then Jesus gives a second option. He says, well, you know what? The first option is to go into battle and fight that, or there's a second option here. The second option is, else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks, what's it say? Conditions of peace. 
Maybe we can work this out. Now, I'm, I'm throwing that as an application because I'm hoping that for some reason you'll remember this passage of Scripture because what we need to do with the gospel and the good news and the glad tidings of the angels to the shepherds when he promises to give to us peace toward men. And that toward men, even if you use among men, or even if you change that around a little bit, you're going to always come up with a conclusion that this peace is something from God to man. It's not from man to man initially. It's from God to man first. We need to focus on God's condition of peace. And what is his condition of peace? What is it? Everybody together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. That's the message. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the goal uh, of the gospel to make sure that we share with the world. And I'm glad. I'm glad that around the world, 24 time zones, you have the gospel being celebrated uh, this week. I mean, you have the Christmas being celebrated this week because the gospel was faithfully shared to those nations. And look at us. We're sitting here because somebody faithfully shared the gospel to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the promise of life. We thank you for the promise of peace. Lord, we need peace in our hearts. Lord, as you uh, have said so many times, Jesus, when you were on this earth, go in peace, go in peace. Your faith hath made you whole. Go in peace. We know how personal it is for us to be calm and at peace. And so importantly for us to be at peace with you. Some of us don't even know that there's a war raging between us and you because we don't even think about it. But Lord, we pray that our big goal this Christmas would to make sure that we're at peace with you, that we understand your conditions of peace so that we can experience what you promised to men of goodwill. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Let's close.